Up next, we are going to look at uh, look back at the U.S. Open, the second Grand Slam of the year that took place in New York. It ended yesterday. Osaka winning the women's singles and um, Dominic Thiem winning the men's. And then later on, we'll speak to former administrator Mr. Afzal Khan just to understand what is the role of a team manager. We'll also hear from Celtic after that uh, incident that happened when Sundowns had a suspended player in the match day squad of their NetBank Cup final. Still unbelievable. I, I can't believe that. I can't understand how it's been missed by so many people. But we'll get into that discussion later. But now let's talk tennis with Bruce Davidson. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. Let's bring him back on the line. Tennis analyst Bruce Davidson joins us. Bruce, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM again tonight. Thank you so much to be so good to be on the show and hello to the listeners. Thanks, Bruce. Let's start with the men's singles. Did the best men at the tournament win it for you? Absolutely. Dominic Team was, to me, the best man at the tournament other than Djokovic. And when Djokovic was uh, defaulted um, in that bizarre incident um, on centre court, um, I just knew that Dominic Team had the best chance to win. But funny enough, it was going to be a close match. Um, and all the matches that uh, him and uh, Zarev had played before, um, Dominic had won all the clay court matches. Zarev had won all the hard court matches. So it was going to be a tall uh, task for Dominic to beat Sarev on hard court because he hadn't done so before and it shocked everybody that Dominic Tim has won his first Grand Slam on hard court and not his beloved clay which makes him even more special as a future gen player on that note, Bruce, this is not the first time. You actually tipped Dominic Thiem on our show when we spoke to you two weeks ago. Uh, you said outside Djokovic is the guy that we must watch. But before that, we went back to other interviews. Australian Open 2020, you tipped him. I think he went all the way to the final. Last year's French Open, when we spoke to him, you said that he could actually pull it off there. He went to the final also. What is it about Dominic Thiem that you like so much? Well, Dominic Thiem is an all-rounder player. You must remember that uh, over the years, there's been very few players that are all-rounder players. Um, you know, Roger Federer is an all-rounder player. We attack Sinet. He's able to play from the baseline. Um, and uh, Djokovic is the same. So those all-rounder players have a definite advantage. One of the few uh, players that isn't an all-rounder player is Rafael Nadal. So he dominated on the clay because on the clay, you don't come to the net that often. You play from the back line. But in order for him to win, uh, you know, Wimbledon and for him to win... Um, the Australian Open and the US Open, Rafael Nadal had to become an all-rounder player. And Dominic Thiem, when he was brought up by his parents in Austria and he, he was brought up on the clay, they taught him how to be an all-rounder player. And I believe that he's got that game that's going to take him to world number one. And funny enough, I always thought he was going to be like a, 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 a Rafael Nadal mm. and dominate on the clay. But now that he's got this all-rounder game and he's won on the hard court, his first Grand Slam, I think he's, he could very well be like a more Djokovic type player, more Roger Federer, where he's able to play on many surfaces. Is this a big mental breakthrough for him? Huge mental breakthrough. It's uh, Both of these guys are very, very close. They, their rivalry started in 2014. I mean, they're very close on the world rankings, and we know that these are going to be the new next-gen players. Mm. And one of them had to take up that step. And once you've taken up that step and you've tasted, uh, tasted uh, the Grand Slam a victory, uh, lots more will come. There's only been a few players in the world that have won one Grand Slam and never done anything after that. Uh, most of the players that win a Grand Slam are going to get a couple under the belt. 
And then mentally, what does this defeat say about Alexander Zverev? He was two sets up. Uh, a lot of uh, analysts have said that maybe mentally he's not strong enough, but he was also two sets uh, down against Sakareno Basta in the semi, and he came back. Now, I thought, I thought that it was a very unfortunate loss for Zarev. Uh, he had the, the, the game in his hands for two reasons. The first reason was, as you rightly said, he was two sets to love up. Um, when you're two sets to love up in a Grand Slam final and you've only got to close it out with one more set, you should be the favourite. But uh, credit to Dominic Tim, who dug deep and came back. But then in, if, if anybody out there is listening, watch that final set in the early hours of this morning. Dominic Tim all of a sudden cramped and he got injured. He was walking around like an old man who had just got out of bed after five years. He could hardly move on the court. And I think that's where Zerev uh, really should have capitalized on it. He didn't play the ball away from Dominic Tim. Dominic Tim, when the ball came to him, made sure he, he, he hit it effectively and, and hit a lot of winners. But uh, Zerev really lost it there. Um, when a player is injured and you're playing against that player, you've got to take that out of your mind and you've got to go on and play your normal game because you never know what could happen. You know, maybe the player is just faking that injury or, you know, things can just change. And uh, Dominic Tim, I honestly thought he might quit that, that match and it just shows what a fight he is and how hungry he was to win his first Grand Slam. Well, Naomi Osaka is now a two-time U.S. Open champion. She's won three of the past five hardcourt Grand Slam titles, and she's the youngest player so to win a third major since Sharapova in 08. How impressive has she been, and why is she so impressive? Well, I think there's another two reasons for, for that. First of all, I think she's made an incredible comeback. You know, in 2018-19, when she won that U.S. Open in 2018 and went on to win the 2019 Australian Open, back-to-back grand slams on hard court. She really made a big name for herself. She 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 sprung into the spotlight. And um, then she faded a little bit. She's come back quite nicely, in fact. And I like the way she came back against Azarenka after losing that opening set, 6-1, and then she came back to win the next two. That, that, that's, that shows a lot of guts. But what I like about uh, uh, Nomi Osaka is that off-court, she was all sorts of activism. She wore seven different masks, during her seven matches at the U.S. Open, each with a, a Black Lives Matter victim. Um, she had so much to say on social media. She forced uh, the, the warm-up tournament the Cincinnati Masters played at the U.S. Open venue to suspend play by one whole day in support of Black Lives Matter. She's just becoming a very, very around the world for the movement and I think she managed her off-court uh, activities and social activities very well as well as on that to me was key and when I looked at her post-match press conference to be so she's developed as a woman she's talking she's doing a, a lot more talking she's more confident she's showing a, 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 a maturity about her which is, is, is really going to lend well for her tennis going forward. And uh, she's been able to balance it on and off the court then because people are asking, I mean, if she's busy uh, making all of this, uh, taking this stance about what's happened with the Black Lives Matter movement, can she really win a tennis tournament? And she's done that. Yeah, you know, I don't know who her boyfriend is. Maybe your producers can find out and you tell the late... The, the, yeah, but I was... Yeah, yeah this yes. guy's big. I mean, <laughs> yes. this guy is, a, is also a, a, a large vocalist uh, off the court. And I think that... It's her first boyfriend. Can you believe it? Now she's with this guy. He's got two million followers I see on Instagram. He's wearing all sorts of shirts that shock everybody. 
And I think that maybe this has helped her. She's developed something. She's never had a boyfriend at her age. All of a sudden, she's got this boyfriend. He travels around with her whenever he can, according to his schedule. And yeah, she's developing as a woman. And, uh, you know, we're going to see a lot more of Osaka. Um, I know her manager, Stuart, dug it very well. And he said that this is only the beginning. We've seen comparisons have been made with her and Serena Williams. She was even asked about Serena Williams not making a stance about Black Lives Matter. Was that a fair question on her? No, I don't think it's a fair question. And, uh, you know, we all got our opinions. Some of us are louder than the others. Some uh, it affects some people more than it affects others. Um, and uh, we must we must all respect each other in that regard. I don't think it was a fair question. And I'll tell you something. She's witty, this one. She answers questions and uh, She's 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 sharp. Um, I don't think I don't think it affected her. I was just very impressed the way she handled it, considering mm. she was playing in a major tournament and she wasn't distracted by all of this. And finally, your thoughts on what happened with Djokovic, Bruce? We never got to speak to you after that. Ah, it was a bizarre circumstances, but it was coming. It was coming. You know, I I, I unfortunately had load shedding thanks to Eskom <laughs> when it was happening. So I was on a WhatsApp call straight through to New York, speaking to Jeff Kutsia. We're sitting in the stadium, and uh, we were just catching up, and he was watching the match. And all of a sudden, he said, things are happening on this court, and he said, Djokovic is in trouble. And then he, while this was all happening, he was telling me that how, how I'd been watching Djokovic throughout the Cincinnati Masters uh, and then the earlier rounds where he was losing his temper, hitting a few balls around, and he said, one day, this guy's going to get into trouble. And not two minutes later, while we were still talking, and that whole incident was, was unfolding, he hit the ball and hit that Lions person. It was a long time coming. He's got that uh, uh, temper on the court. It's a little bit of arrogance. Um, some people love him. Some people hate him because of it. But uh, definitely, the rules are very clear. If you're going to hit a ball in anger in any sort of form, and you're going to hit any spectator or a person on the court or umpire, whatever, ball kid, you're going to be defaulted. It's the only way to protect those people and it's the only way to protect the players' longevity in the game. Uh, but I think this is a game change for Djokovic. It's going to take him a long time to get out of this. Um, people are going to love him and hate him more. And um, yeah, I, and he stormed out of the press conference. He didn't even have the press conference. He, 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 he and very well written apology afterwards, but that was all scripted. Um, I don't know if, uh, if this is going to maybe affect Djokovic going forward. And I saw uh, quite a few years left in Djokovic, maybe even taking over those records of Nadal and Federer. John McEnroe says he should embrace the bad boy tag. Do you agree with him? Well, you know, the thing is, you can do it. I mean, but uh, McEnroe's got a lot of room to talk. He was as naughty as, as I was when I was a kid. And I mean, the problem is in those days, you got away with it because there weren't all the television cameras. There wasn't all the Hawkeye cameras. And, and the game's changed dramatically. But I do believe that uh, people can do that. I never forget. I was James Small, the rugby uh, stars uh, manager. And I never forget what Ian McIntosh, as the rugby coach, uh, did. Mm. He decided, because James was such a bad boy, to make him in charge of the dis- disciplinary committee in the Springbuck uh, camp. Now, can you imagine James Small, probably the naughtiest guy, uh, was now in charge of discipline. And all of a sudden, it just changed James Small. He just became this incredible headmaster that nobody knew existed. And finally, what are the players telling you about the experience at the US Open? I know you speak to a lot of the guys and this was a unique slam. Absolutely unique. I've spoken to quite a few of them. Um, It was very difficult for them. It was difficult to adjust to the, the new norm. Um, it was uh, 
very weird playing without any spectators. Um, the rules uh, they embraced, but they also said it was very, very um, hard on them because, uh, you know, food was delivered to their rooms. They they weren't able to see the city. They, try, uh, they said that the U.S. Open and the USTA in particular made every effort to make them feel good, safe and secure and comfortable, but they said it was very difficult. Um, and a couple of them have said they might not have played the US Open if they had mm. known it was going to be like that. Others say that uh, they were very happy that they felt so safe and secure playing in, 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 in the coronavirus uh, atmosphere and also in a city that was hard hit by the virus. We saw them watching a lot of the matches because they had nothing to do. They absolutely had nothing to do. They could lunch on court number one, lunch on court number two, or lunch on court number three. They could just, you know, do whatever, but there was absolutely nothing to do. And there weren't people to talk to. Remember, they were only allowed one person in. Normally, they allowed six persons per entourage. Oh. So if Rafa Nelzel goes there, he takes his wife, he takes his coach, he takes his physio, he takes his parents, he takes his best friend. Now, he could only choose one. So the wife yeah. stayed at home. Uh, the, the, the coach obviously went. There was no physio there. It was very difficult on them. And, uh, you know, those type of things. And there was only two hotels that were selected and you weren't allowed to go and visit the sites in New York. You came out of the, 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 the courts into your, your secured bus into the hotel and vice versa. You never got to see anything and go anywhere. And normally they're exploring the city. You walk around New York and it's a great time for a sport fan like you to go. Um, to visit New York because you'll bump into them in restaurants and see them in Times Square. But none of that happened this year. Bruce, always a pleasure talking to you. Hopefully we'll catch up again before the French Open. But thanks for speaking to us tonight. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks, uh, Bruce Davidson, there, our tennis analyst, uh, just giving us the lowdown on what happened at the U.S. Open with uh, Dominic Thiem winning his first Grand Slam title and Naomi Osaka proving herself as a champion on and off the court there and uh, you can follow bruce uh, on uh, social media on twitter there i'll give you his twitter handle just in a second if you want more late or the latest tennis news it's bruce ybld so bruce ybld that's where you can follow mr bubbles that's what he calls himself on twitter